and welcome to another edition of On the Road with Legal Talk Network. This is Lawrence Coletti, and I am a co-host for today's show, which is being recorded on location at the 2019 ABA Annual Meeting from San Francisco, the Golden City. And I have joining me a special co-host making his Legal Talk Network debut. It is Ralph Baxter. Welcome to the show, sir. Lawrence, it's a pleasure to be with you. Excellent. And we have a special guest. Would you want to introduce the guest there, Ralph? We have the president-elect, perhaps in five days, of the American Bar Association, Trish Rifo. Welcome to the show, Trish. Thank you so much. You made it sound rather tentative. I hope it's not quite that tentative. Well, I was trying to comply with the protocols of the American Bar Association and not not prejudge anything. There, There's a gavel to fall, as I Very understand Very well. It. There right. is, yes. He abides by the rules. That is why he's a host on Legal Talk Network. Hmm. So anyway, let me open up with this, uh, Trish. We've been asking the, the president, uh, Bob Carlson, and president-elect Judy Perry Martinez a similar question. So I want to learn a little bit more about you, you know, where you work, what do you do. Some of our listeners, don't uh, they're not as familiar with your work, but uh, also want to get a feel for your ABA resume, because I know you've been volunteering for many years here with the ABA, and uh, this organization is built on high-quality volunteers, and that's how things get done. So let's start with that. We'll open it up. So when I graduated from the University of Michigan Law School, I began my practice um, at Jenner and Block in Chicago, and I practiced uh, commercial litigation at Jenner for 13 years, um, and actually met my husband at an ABA meeting, which we always joke is either really sweet or kind of sad, depending <laughs> on your view. Uh, and he practiced in Phoenix, and his kids were in Phoenix, and so when we got married, I moved to Phoenix and um, began practicing at Snell and Wilmer um, in Phoenix, and I've been there, what, 23 years? Um, I have a practice in commercial litigation. I got involved in the American Bar Association as best I remember when I was about a second year lawyer. One of the senior partners at Jenner was a committee chair in one of our sections and asked if I would basically like do all the grunt work uh, for his committee chairmanship, and I said, sure. And um, a bunch of years later, I was chair of the section of litigation of the ABA. Um, I've been chair of the standing committee on membership. Uh, I was chair of the American Jury Project. And in 2016, um, I finished a two-year term as chair of the ABA House of Delegates, which is our policy-making arm. Excellent. So uh, just in your estimate, how many years have you been volunteering for the American Bar Association? Um, I, you're not supposed to ask a lady how old she is, uh, sir, but I know it's been probably 34 uh, or five years. Long time. Well, excellent. That, that is a great segue to my next question. So we, we have been learning more about the American Bar Association, as we do with each one of the meetings. And there was a notion that was reported to us that uh, this last grouping of ABA presidents treat the leadership uh, as president as more of a relay race rather than a sprint. And so I, I wanted to hand that off to you. Maybe you could discuss how you've been working together with President Carlson and, uh, and President-elect Judy Perry Martinez. Well, the imagery you just described is, is, comes from President Carlson. Bob uh, always talks about the leadership being engaged in a relay race. And I love that because the whole idea of it is that my job is to get ready to take that baton from Judy Perry Martinez a year from now and then run as fast as I can and work as hard as I can mm. to be prepared to hand it on to the person who will replace me. The notion behind it is that we are a team and we are continuously and together moving the goals of the American Bar Association forward. So let's, let's talk a little bit about what you're going to do once you have that baton. 
And let's start with the most general idea. What is the mission of the American Bar Association? Well, the American Bar Association has four goals that revolve around serving our members, um, serving the profession, uh, protecting the rule of law, enhancing diversity and inclusion and eliminating bias in our profession. And those are the summary missions of the ABA. Everything else that we do falls within one of those four very general goals. And the everything else you do is uh, complex. How many different moving parts are there in the ABA? Uh, more than I'll ever know, no matter uh, how long I work for and volunteer with the ABA. Um, we have 3,500 entities who are engaged in every possible piece of work on the justice system, the profession, various specialties within that profession, ideas about how to innovate, um, how to improve access to justice, how to eliminate bias. Uh, it's an, an, an astonishingly complex um, and deeply vibrant organization of people. Yeah, I think this, is, this complexity and the depth of that is not well known to the ordinary citizen and, and to the ordinary practicing lawyer, I don't think, that there are so many different entities. I think a lot of people think of the ABA as more about the disciplines of the different practice areas and things like that and, and less uh, about these public interest issues, and, the, and that's a terrific message for you to get out. Well, I invite anybody who wants to know more about the ABA to go to our brand new and really terrific website and take a look and see, because any kind of law that you are interested in or that you are practicing in, we have something to offer to you in that area. Um, we have specialty groups focused on individual practice areas. We have groups that are engaged in pro bono work in any number of different fields. We have groups that are working on issues in legal education, in issues relating to uh, technology enhancements that improve the practice of law. It's a very exciting, diversely um, rich group of people moving the justice system forward. Trish, as we've been traveling with the American Bar Association, we know that access to justice is very important. And, you know, I know it's a little early uh, to be putting together your programs uh, for, for your eventual presidency, but just in terms of what you're seeing on the ground with all of the traveling and, and getting some feedback from some of the membership and the leadership, you know, just where do you think, uh, where do you think the ABA steering, what are the, some of the new programs in access to justice? Well, the access to justice issue is a really interesting one because so many of our different states are experimenting with different ideas about how to increase access to justice for those who don't have it. For example, um, in many of our um, states across the country, family courts are almost exclusively instances in which people are not represented by lawyers. They are there pro se on their own, trying to get a divorce, deal with child custody issues and property issues um, in Washington state and in, I believe, some of the other Western states very soon. You will see circumstances in which folks who are not fully trained, three-year JD lawyers, uh, will be authorized in those states to engage in helping those folks get some kind of legal assistance as they go through a very troubling and difficult time in their lives as they're dealing with a separation and a divorce. 
Um, so that's one example. Different states are going to do it in different ways. And the job of the American Bar Association will be to monitor that, to help in collecting data, to study it and see what pieces of these experiments work and what pieces don't. So you, you uh, will be uh, taking on your leadership role at a very interesting time, as, as you suggest, because there are very concrete ideas being considered in Arizona and in Utah and in California. In fact, there are, there are meetings here during the, the meetings of the ABA of the California State Bar to discuss those, um, those proposed uh, changes in the California rules. So uh, you sound, as you describe this, as though you are open to the idea that states would seriously consider permitting a more liberal set of human beings to participate in legal service. Let's just start with that. Is that a fair way to, to am I hearing you correctly? Well, I, I think the states are going to um, proceed whether the American Bar Association or its president is open to it or not. So our job, it seems to me, is to watch what they do and take this chance to really look at it, as I said, and collect the data and not be afraid of change and innovation and then answer the question uh, after some experience of whether these things have in fact worked to improve access to justice or not. And then when we have some actual data, we can, as, as a national bar association, begin making some assessments about what works and what doesn't. And what about private investment, investment by people who are not licensed to practice law in law firms? Well, I think we're going to see some changes in that regard as well from some of our uh, state Supreme Courts, and that too is something we got to look at carefully. The goal here always has to be protecting the public, right? None of this is about protecting lawyers. It's about protecting the public. And if we find that some mechanism for allowing non-lawyer investment in law firms can proceed in a manner in which the public is protected, then we should look at that. Um, but the, the governing principle, right, the North Star, is protecting the public. Yeah, and just building upon the uh, the North Star and uh, you know protecting the public. I mean, one of the things that's good for the profession, but you know also good for society in general is diversity inclusion. And so I know this was a uh, pivotal part of past president Paulette Brown's uh, one of her foundational components. She really wanted to focus on diversity and inclusion, make sure everybody had a voice uh, in the creation and and enforcement of the law. And so I just wanted to you know get back to that. I know diversity and inclusion is very important to the ABA and just you know that role. Um, um, and, and in terms of the programs and some of the studies and the information that's come in, uh, where, where do you see the ABA steering there with uh, some new programs, perhaps some uh, new emphasis, maybe some, uh, uh, some new questionnaires? So there's almost no issue I'm more passionate about than diversity and inclusion in a legal profession. I personally know every single woman who has ever in history been president of the American Bar Association. I personally know every single person of color who has ever been president of the American Bar Association. You can look at that as a glass half full, right, or a glass half empty. What it tells us is that we don't have a great history on those topics, but we have a pretty darn good present on those topics. Um, I will follow a woman 
as president of the American Bar Association. We haven't had too many women to follow one another. That's exciting. Um, I will be the 10th woman president of the ABA. I think that's pretty exciting. And maybe we can get close to having to stop counting. Um, so we will continue to push on these issues. Our law firms still have a great deal of work to do to become as diverse and as inclusive um, as we all want them to be. Um, so there's a lot of remaining work, but the American Bar Association uh, has a good record in recent years on all of these issues. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad to hear. Uh, you know, we're talking about you know women who count. Uh, in particular, one of my favorite interviews, uh, uh, Hillary Bass, uh, the media past president, and uh, one of the most impactful things that we talked about uh, while I was interviewing her. Uh, before, before she gave the gavel over to President Carlson was that uh, she was doing a study where they were looking into why women were leaving the profession uh, at peak earning years, since that's when all the goodies uh, from a, a career-long experience are supposed to be kicking in. You put all this time, you're at your peak earning potential, and women are choosing to leave the profession, and that, that's a troubling uh, aspect, you know, right when you're supposed to be in that peak zone. And so I just wanted to ask you, are, are there some plans to continue that study as well and, uh, you know, follow up on programs that address that issue? Absolutely. Um, that is a great example of the relay metaphor, right? Uh, Hillary started a really interesting and extremely important focus on more senior women in the law and why they leave. The truth is, as we know, that women leave the law, unfortunately, at all stages of their career. But we have more information and more research on those who leave in their younger years. So will we continue to focus on what we can do to understand why women leave in their senior years and how we can help with that? We will. Um, my personal view is that if there were one lever we could pull to solve this problem, it would have been pulled a long time ago. There are a lot of complexities to it. Um, there are a lot of reasons behind it, which is why it needs so much more work and so much more effort to solve. So um, as you talk about diversity and you think about um, the rule of law and access to justice, uh, these are issues in which the American Bar Association, I think, can lead, not just serve, but lead to make things better. Is that how you see it? Absolutely. Absolutely. We have made room in this association for women for a long time and in leadership for a long time. And the momentum continues to build. I mean, this is not your father's American Bar Association frankly, it's not your mother's American Bar Association either. It's a new ABA with new leaders and energy and is being transformed really from the bottom up by the young lawyers who come to us as new members um, all the time to help us figure out what the future of our profession is going to be and what our future is going to look like. So let, let's stay with that, the issue of generations. When you reference your mother and your father, and now it's, it's a modern generation, it's a new time. Um, what will you do to make sure that you continue to attract new lawyers to participate in the ABA? One of the most important things is to make sure we're listening to the law students and the new lawyers about what it is they need and want. The notion of a bunch of people, frankly, my vintage, sitting around in a room trying 
to imagine what a brand new lawyer wants is kind of silly. So we are gathering those younger lawyers and law students together to just listen. What is it that you need? What is it that we can do that would assist you as a law student and as a young lawyer in being a better lawyer, in developing your professionalism, in advancing your career, whether you're a solo practitioner or a prosecutor or a big firm lawyer or a law professor um, starting out? What can we do to help make you a better lawyer and to appeal to the other pieces of being a lawyer that you have passion for, whether it's doing pro bono service, whether it is um, access to justice, whatever it is, um, we do so many good work projects that we think we have something to offer to all of those young people. Right, and you certainly do. And, and so as you talk about that, you enter, it seems to me, a different dimension of the issue of diversity. So we think of diversity correctly, commonly about welcoming in people who previously were not welcome in the profession of law or in leadership in law. But what you just talked about is including a new generation in the conversation. In the changes that are being considered in Arizona, Utah, and California, part of what the motivation is is to welcome into the diverse ecosystem of law a different set of people, those who are not licensed to practice law. And from what you're saying, I think you're open to the idea of considering that dimension of diversity as well. Well, I, I mean, I personally think, as I've said, that we need to allow the states to experiment. They're going to anyway, uh, and watch and see where it goes. Um, in Arizona, for example, we have universities that are um, offering a BA in law. That's, a, if you think about it, really cool because we are training young people, some of whom will go to law school and some of whom won't, in issues like the rule of law, what it means, and the other important pieces of our justice system and why it matters. Uh, those folks are going to be better citizens by virtue of having that education. And if we can also find a role for them in providing some kind of access to justice to folks who can't afford a lawyer, then aren't we serving the public interest? That's what we need to look at. Sounds good to me. Lawrence? Now my second to last question here, or the second to last, because uh, Ralph gets the last one here. In preparation for this interview, I went and listened to an older interview of ours. So it was a 2015 ABA mid-year meeting in Houston. You were talking with host Jim Calloway. And uh, one of the things that you talked about that really resonated with me was uh, American jurisprudence and how it's admired all over the world. And so it gets into the rule of law. And so I guess the question I have for you, uh, Trish, just in your frame of uh, thinking, you know, where does the American Bar Association play into that leadership, uh, making sure that going forward, the United States is still the model for rule of law in the world that we live in? Well, there are emerging democracies around the world who look to the ABA as really the keeper of the flames of justice and the rule of law. We're proud of that. We're excited about that role. And through our work, um, through the Rule of Law Initiative, we are literally in nations on every continent helping to teach these principles in a way um, that can transform an emerging democracy to 
put together a justice system that honors and respects the rights of its people uh, and helping them to understand that everyone, even the government, bows to the rule of law. It's a deeply important philosophical principle and something that the American Bar Association has a long history of working for. So I have one more question. A couple of years ago, soon-to-be President Judy Perry Martinez led a project, a study, uh, at the American Bar Association about the future of legal service. And out of that came a lot of new ideas about fostering innovation and modernization. Uh, what do you plan to do to continue those efforts? The work that Judy and uh, then-President William Hubbard did on innovation resulted in the creation of the Center for Innovation at the American Bar Association, which is a hotbed of researchers and practitioners and others who are deeply engaged, not just in questions about how technology can transform the practice of law, but also some of the questions about different mechanisms for delivering legal services that we've touched on and some we haven't had a chance yet to touch on, and how we can do a better job to be more efficient as practitioners for all of our clients, not just the ones we talk about when we talk about the um, access to justice gap, but even the biggest clients that all of our law firms have, how can we be more efficient in delivering legal services to them as well? So um, the place, the, the ABA used to be thought of as a little bit stodgy, a little bit gee whiz, it's not something that's gonna do much in terms of change. We're now one of the leaders on issues of innovation in the legal profession, and that's really exciting for our future. Well, it looks like we've reached the end of the road for this episode, but I want to thank our guest, Trish Rifo, for joining us today. And also my, uh, my co-host here, Ralph Baxter, on his inaugural appearance on Legal Talk Network. Thank you so much. Well, it was great. It was great. It was great being with you, Trish. So if our listeners, they want to follow, this is a question for both of you. Uh, Trish, let's start with you. If our listeners want to follow up, they want to learn a little bit more about your upcoming platform and some of your plans, how can they find you? Uh, they can find me at prefo at swlaw.com. Um, or at ABA President Elect at AmericanBar.org. And how about you, Ralph? You can reach me at Ralph at RalphBaxter.com. Pretty simple. Also, one more thing I want to thank our listeners because without the listeners, we wouldn't have a show. And listeners, if you like what you heard, please rate and review us in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, now on Spotify. But best yet, rate us in your favorite podcasting app. I'm Lawrence Coletti signing off from the American Bar Association Annual Meeting 2019 in San Francisco, California. Thank you for listening. If you'd like more information about what you've heard today, please visit LegalTalkNetwork.com. Subscribe via iTunes and RSS. Find us on Twitter and Facebook. Or download our free Legal Talk Network app in Google Play and iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thank you.